0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Coffee with Craig, where we talk about all things firearms, firearms policy, politics, culture, media, you name it, we're all Second Amendment all the time. So please take a moment, like, and share this video program so that your friends can join in the conversation. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or you're watching us on Facebook, Please remember to hit the notification button so that you can get the alerts whenever we go live. Also, if uh, you just want to listen to us, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We have it available for you to listen to Coffee with Craig. So please take a moment to do that. Also, want to remind you fpcgear.com, that's fpcgear.com. Christmas right around the corner. Maybe you want to get yourself something very nice, something that will allow you to show your support for the 2nd Amendment. Maybe a nice t-shirt or a hoodie or a coffee mug. Whatever it is, you'll be able to find it right there at fpcgear.com and know that every penny that you spend will go right back into the fight for our right to keep and bear arms. So, you can support the 2nd Amendment and you can look good doing it. That's fpcgear.com. All right, let's get into it now. Uh, You guys know that uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition, we see ourselves as a civil rights organization because we believe that the Second Amendment is a civil right. Now, We don't ascribe to the whole concept of special rights for special people, which many individuals and organizations ascribe to when they talk about civil rights. We believe civil rights are those rights that are available to all of us. They're available to all people all of the time. Right? So it's all rights, all people all of the time. Included in that is our right to keep and bear arms. Now, unfortunately, there are civil rights groups out there, at least one civil rights group out there, that doesn't believe that the Second Amendment is a civil right. Uh, And that group would be none other than the NAACP. I say NAACP because they sometimes get offended when you call them the NAACP. Uh, But this is an organization that recently put out a statement relating to the uh, the shooting of the, the the young man in Atlanta, uh, who was uh, basically a good guy with a gun. showed you know was there in the mall when the shooting took place. Uh, shooting took place. Uh, drew his firearm. Was trying to help direct people uh, away from wherever the gunfire was taking place. Police showed up. Thought he was uh, thought he was the uh, the shooter and wound up shooting him and taking his life. Now. This uh comment, which I'm about to share with you, actually came out of uh came from the NAACP, from their web or I'm sorry, did I say NAACP? I'm sorry to offend you guys if you anyway, if that bothers you. Anyway, all that having been said, um, it's from their website, and they're really kind of lamenting the fact that the that the NRA, the National Rifle Association, hasn't come out and made a statement. So here is what they had to say about uh, the Second Amendment and its application to all people. It says the census killing of Emantic J. Bradford and the silence from the NRA has confirmed that the Second Amendment does not apply uh, to legally licensed black gun owners. Instead of standing by their principles, the NRA continues to demonize and alienate people of color who are gunned down and blamed for exercising their right to own and brandish firearms. This narrative is just as old and tired as the organization and it's time for them to stop this hypocrisy and and finally, come to terms with its racist rhetoric. The target on bl- on backs of blacks and brown lives is getting larger. And unlike the NRA, we will do all we can to stop this. Now, I I, I cannot even begin to tell you how much this statement, uh, how much in this statement, I believe needs to be corrected. But instead of me just doing it, I wanted to bring on a good friend of mine. This guy has absolutely no problem telling folks uh, uh, what he thinks or sharing his peace of mind, and that would be my good friend, Mr. Kevin Dixie with uh, N O C Firearms Training. Mr. Dixie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing just fine, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, uh, before I share my thoughts on this particular statement, I wanted to I want to get your perspective. What What do you think? Uh, one about the state. Well, I'll let you dissect it and then, uh, and then we'll get into it from there. All right. Well, one, I
1: would like to say, I'll start off with this. Um, condolences to that young man's family. Uh, There had to be something horrible to deal with. Uh, I'm sorry that he's gone. It's unfortunate that he's gone. It's unfortunate what happened. Uh, so definitely blessings and prayers out to his family. Uh, that being said onto the NAACP statement. Um, so, I, I get that it is an opportunity for this organization to come out and attack the NRA. I, I, I get why they're doing it. I, I get it. Um, however, here's what I would like to say. And I'll go straight to their last comment. when they said, unlike the NRA, and let me try to re them. Sorry if I'm looking down. But they say the target on uh, backs of black and brown lives is getting larger. And unlike the NRA, we are doing all we can to stop this. I would like to know what. That being um, a concerning statement to me because personally, myself, I've reached out two or three times to the St. Louis County chapter uh, of the NAACP in my area and I've gotten nothing in response where I offered to come in and educate uh, people about firearms. I've offered them to get involved with Aiming for the Truth, which is our community outreach program. I've offered them to, uh, to just get involved in a conversation with me directly. We don't have to record it. This can just be us in a private office, nothing so it alarms me that they can say that they are trying to do i am curious about what exactly are you doing because you're not even getting involved in the rights you're not getting involved in a conversation with the people that are black and brown that are out here actually trying to press the second amendment forward and make sure everybody understand the right applies to them so in one breath you say you're going to attack the nra but you bypass the people that do look like you that are trying to say let's do the work grassroots Let's get it started here. And then we can go and say, if you feel that, hey, the NRA is not doing this or not doing that, then the people that already have a connection with them can go have a more polite conversation. Uh, But I will also say this. They said now this is what they said. Unlike what the NRA is doing, I can make a phone call and it's not saying that the NRA is perfect, but I can make a phone call right now and say, hey, I want to get on camera and say this about a thing. And I promise you within two days I'll be on camera. I've been all over that network, all over the platforms, everywhere, sharing the message. So they've opened up their network, even if they even if they're saying, hey, we don't know how to articulate it. Let's just say we don't know how to articulate it. We know it does need to be articulated. So here, here's a platform. Go do whatever you do. I don't see the NAACP doing that.
0: The the thing is, in in this particular case, their goal is to disarm the very people they say that that they want to protect in, in this particular case, mm-hmm. uh, once again, black men legally armed. We're talking about legally armed black uh, black and brown people. Uh, they're talking about brandishing firearms. I'm just talking about legally armed black and brown people. Uh, they're not interested in that. They're more interested in disarming those legally armed people, as opposed to as opposed to actually helping them being able to exercise. Uh, their constitutional right they don't see the right to keep and bear arms as a right it's it's a it's it's a right but it's not a a right right as far as they see it
1: you you know here's here's how i have a rebuttal to that and this the first thing i'm going to say is i'm just forecasting i can't prove it but this is what i believe sometimes you feel that you have an enemy right and if you believe that that enemy is using certain things to keep you at bay or these are the tools they use to defeat you. The trick is to convince everybody that you want to believe your story, that everything that that enemy loves is also the enemy. So if I'm telling you to hate this segment of America or to be concerned about this segment of America, I'm going to tell you to be concerned about everything that they seem to gravitate towards and they hold dear. One of those things is the Second Amendment. So therefore, that and guns must be bad because the opposition loves them. So it has to be bad, which is a fallacy. That's That's not true. The second thing is this. And it's, it's, it's straightforward. Now, I'm not saying NAACP hasn't done great things. I'm not saying that. What I am going to say is this. That is hypocrisy. To say that you want to disarm people of minority descent, of any minority descent, therefore, you're not looking at the history of this country. Um, and, and I can show you just I, I put up things on my social media all the time and I, I put out, you know, they're asking for gun control. Right. So I asked a very, very straightforward question. And this thing was still happening in the 1940s and 1950s. I said, name one time anybody asked for rope control. You didn't ask for that, <laughs> No. you know. Like name any time that when we were talking about the French Black Codes, where if you were a, a black person that was seen with anything that be that can be used as a weapon—rock, slingshot, cane, whatever—didn't have to be a gun—you were by law able to be killed on the spot by any common citizen. So you aren't you aren't holding true when you look at Rosewood, Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. The movement, the move bombing uh, or shooting in in Philly, when you look at the East St. Louis riots, when you look at all these things, you know, even even down to the some of the smaller riots. When you look at um, uh, uh, the things that happened in Alabama, northern Alabama, when you look at uh, how the Deacons of defense got started, when you look at what Martin Luther King did, when you look at what Malcolm X did, when you look at a guy like um, Moses Dixon, who was the armed resistance. I'm sorry. He was the armed resistance arm, if you will of the underground railroad so this was the guy that started off with 12 men called the knights and they formed into forty-seven thousand black men that patrolled and protected harriet in the underground railroad while they were you know hooking up safe spaces and things like that he was making sure he kept everybody at bay so well armed and so well trained with firearms that after that the union army actually hired him to help fight the south that's how good they were right so our history is not one of being disarmed once we were disarmed, we actually use arms to gain our history. A lot of people look at the organizations like the NAACP and things they've done, and that's great. But you do understand behind every movement was a gun, period. Behind yep. any movement of freedom of people has been a firearm. And so what you're what you're basically saying is you are trying to lay down every single thing that everybody has done, including yourself. You now want to lay all those rights back down and say, OK, we won't be able to protect ourselves. We won't be able to do that. So we're just going to trust in the good nature of human beings not to oppress us. Again.
0: Well, and, 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 you know, you they, they know, like, they to, like use to use, use the, the fact out, that they say, uh, well, when the when Second, the second amendment, amendment was written, was written, written when, the when the Constitution college. was written, you know, we weren't, uh, you know, we weren't citizens. So it wasn't really written for us. But the f- <laughs> truth of the matter is we are citizens now. Those rights are ours and it may not have been intended for us when it was first written. But guess what? It's mine now. I own it. Just like the house I live in now wasn't built for me. But guess what? I own it now. I'm in it and I'm taking full possession of it. Yep, you should.
1: And, I, and you know, that, and I agree with that. You know, yeah, we weren't considered human beings uh, when the Second Amendment came to be. But we also weren't allowed to vote. Uh, you do that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you weren't allowed to hold jobs. We, we weren't allowed to have a minority president. I think that happened. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of things we that weren't for us. And it doesn't matter. I don't care. It's, it's mine. I'm, I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it for my benefit. And when you're talking about doing things like being um, being for gun control and things of that nature. Well, answer me this. How do you deal with the the people that are living in communities that you want to remain in those communities to help make the areas better? How are they supposed to protect themselves? How? How are they supposed to do that? And if you're if you're telling us that the police, and I'm not even going to argue the point, I'm just going to go with the philosophy. If you're saying that the police can't be trusted to protect us, who's going to protect us?
0: Well, here's what I love to, to share with a lot of the folks on the a lot of the folks on the political left who uh, are I love to share this with them. I say, let me let me just ask you this. If the Republicans, if Republicans and Donald Trump are everything that you say they are, Do you really want a Donald Trump, Republican-led government to be the only ones able to possess firearms? And that makes people think, because, see, I I remember I was sitting before the California State Legislature, their Assembly Public Safety Committee, and we were talking about tyrannical governments, and I said, you know, and then the, the chair of the committee, a brother, said you know said well you know i know when the second amendment was written you know we were dealing with you know a tyrannical government and well we don't have that anymore and this was before the, the 2016 election and i had a chance to to talk to him a little bit after that i said so now with donald trump and the ones do you still believe we don't have a tyrannical government <laughs> needless to smile i got a little chuck needless to say i got a little chuckle out of him
1: Mm -hmm. I think that they're not being um, they're not being honest with themselves, man. And another thing with the NAACP, I would like to see any branch of the NAACP that specializes in firearms. I've never seen an NAACP led firearms instructor, academy, school, any of those things. So don't step out saying. And you know what? The excuse might have been 30, 40 years ago. They might have had an excuse to say, well, we don't even have any of our own resources to train, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you cannot say that now. There are ample amount of minority uh, men and women that are out here giving proper professional you know, education that are traveling the country doing it and trying to spread the good word. And every single person that I personally know that is of a minority, and I'm not saying this is excluding um, uh, whites or anybody else, but every minority individual I know that is out giving proper firearms education does some sort of mentoring while they're doing it. It's not just showing up and talking about the guns. You're, we are going over laws. We're going over. Hey, this is how you stay out of trouble. These are the right things to do. These are the wrong things to do. You should double check with your state on these things. Like these are the rules you follow. So it's not even just give a gun. It's an education and a mentoring process that goes along with it. Well,
0: now and not just on the laws and the regulations, but on the the attitude and the responsibility oh. that you take on. You know what I've come to realize is is people who become responsible gun owners, people. I mean, people who are most gun owners, people who I know who get involved in 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 firearms, they do it not because, not just to exercise the right, but they recognize the responsibility that they are taking on, and 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 they want to be serious. I mean, that's how I got involved. I, I didn't always own guns. I always believed in the Second Amendment, uh, but I, when I became a gun owner, I wanted to make sure that I was responsibly exercising my right and as i did that i actually learned that i had a lot of responsibilities and then i started to see how the government was trying to not just infringe on my right but then also make it so that i couldn't fulfill my responsibility as a as a fellow citizen mm-hmm. and i wasn't having that
1: no it's um it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 funny because they'll skip right over that when you see programs like mine where we're mentoring kids and we're giving people education and we talk about, because I'll say one thing, I tell people all the time, responsibilities and infringements are two totally different things. So I'll get on people about that. If I'm telling you that, hey, you know what? You need to take some type of firearms training. You need to understand proper storage of your gun. You need to do these basic fundamental things that keep you responsible, and keep everybody safe. You never hear anybody saying, oh, wow, well, that's, that's, that, those are the things we're talking about too. No, you'll skip right past that to say, well, all gun owners are evil, or you shouldn't have access to this. I just have one community leader here, and I, he, I don't think he's part of NAACP, but he definitely is kind of that that whole sh- swag, if you will. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, guns are cool, but yeah, nobody needs an AR-15. I'm like, funny. I said, what, you, what, what would you protect your family with? He was like, oh, you'll never need an AR-15 to protect your family. Then I told him the story when we had Ferguson happen here, and I had to take not one, but two AR-15s with another buddy of mine and go rescue a cop and four of his uh, six family members of his out of his home because people surrounded his house and wanted to kill him because he was a police officer and he lived in that area. AR saved that cop and his family's lives. And then when Ferguson came to my neighborhood, it was an AR-15 that I deployed outside to make those vandals leave. So do you want to tell me again what I what I need? Because I counted in one night where well, that gun saved 10 people's lives. So they are not being intell- intellectually honest about those things. It's just, oh, I'm going off the talking points of people and I'm just going to go with it because it sounds like it's common sense. Well, how many other things that deal with civil rights in the history of this country sounded like common sense that that very organization fought against,
0: <laughs> right?
1: So one would argue that, because I'm pretty sure somebody thought those laws that they got changed you know, 60, 70 years ago were great common sense. No, we didn't need to change those laws, now did we, right? But you fought for the change and now what you're trying to do is give it all back. And here's something I really don't understand. And I have a saying, When you think about all the names I mentioned earlier, you know, the Martins, the Malcolms, the Harriets, the Moses Dixons, all these great people. Well, one, they were all pro-gun. One, let's get, get that out the way. Two, they literally laid down their lives, literally laid down their lives for us to have all the rights we have now. Right. For me and you to be on this show, being able to converse freely, for us to have firearms, homes and everything else. My ancestors paid the price. I'm just the receipt. Nobody's asking for a refund. That price hasn't been paid. Right. Why are you trying to forfeit it? Why are you trying to ask somebody? There is there is no reason to give these things back. Now, if you want to have an, a conversation in NAACP, here is the open invitation. At the end of the show and right at the bottom, I'm pretty sure Craig's going to have all the information there. You can reach out to Craig, I'm sure. You can reach out to me and we can have a conversation and a dialogue about how you can assist and properly educating the community about everything pro-gun or everything gun, right? You want to have a conversation about what you believe is reckless or what you be, what you might believe is irresponsible? Talk to me. Don't talk to the NRA. Talk
0: well, you know, me. I can tell you there's one there's one individual here in Sacramento area, and it's it, it, what I appreciate about the brother is he's actually really working to try and help understand my particular perspective, uh, but he doesn't even understand that he's coming into the whole dialogue with one a lack of knowledge on the issue but secondly with a pre with a he already has a pre a, a notion he already believes what he believes and it's not unbiased it's it's it and it's highly uninformed mm-hmm. and to get someone to number 1 understand that look The information that you are providing and putting out there is number one, is incorrect. So one, we have to be willing to talk about that. Number two, we have to get past the political biases and realize that we need to look at the issue. One of the challenges with the Democratic Party coalition, uh, not, not to try and get partisan, but with liberalism in general, however you want to put it, is to a certain degree, it's a bunch of different groups that have different agendas, different ideologies, different uh, uh, perspectives and things and agendas that they want to get accomplished. And oftentimes, they are a conflict with one another. And so in order to support one another, they will oftentimes, in my opinion, work against their own part, their own community's interests in order to help them under the guise that they will eventually help us. Well, the problem is is that, in particular, when it comes to the Democratic Party and Black folks, is we're always last. The unions are going to come before before our children in the education discussion. Uh, the uh, uh, you know the uh, 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 government programs are always going to come first uh, before entrepreneurialism is going in the Black community is going to come first. All of these things where our our interests always seem to get put on the back burner for some other interest group within the democratic party and that's largely because they know that overall we're we're going to vote 90 percent of us are going to vote for them no matter what they do so do me a favor i mean tell me what do you do when you start to encounter people who are really well-meaning but you know they're really not in a place where they're prepared to even have this sort of conversation
1: i normally try to ask them where did they get their information from like, how did you reach the conclusions that you've reached? What, what did you go through? What process? It was brainstorming. Who are you talking to? Who are your sources? Have you thought about this? What information are you lacking? And I just start challenging your thought process, not even necessarily with my own, just challenging theirs. Like if you're trying to pres- like same way, if you're trying to convince me to go into business with you. Okay. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Uh, and normally they can't answer. They start throwing out things that are talking points or saying, but oh, they just hurt people. I'm like, well, no, they don't. So then from there, I start taking their point step by step and logically combating them, saying, no, this is factually false, what you're saying. So you're an intelligent person because most of these people aren't dumb. Like you're an intelligent person, but you're factually you're factually false. And the reason that you're going with it is because it sounds good when you hear it. It soothes you. Something in you wants that validation. And you, you can't just feel validated and give away your rights or give away mine. If you want to give yours up, that's fine. But you can't just give mine up because you feel some sense of validation um, with, with the conversations you've had with other people. And I think the biggest thing with organizations or individuals is that, and maybe it's, it's everybody's fault, right? I think I'll, I'll even accept some blame, you know, overall. Maybe it's that we haven't, and I'll just say pro-gun side, maybe historically we haven't been, open enough to having those conversations collectively, I'm not saying as individuals, right. maybe, but now that's not an excuse. Now you have plenty of people you can dialogue with that mm. will have great, polite conversations with you. And I know it's been like that for at least the last 15 years, and yet well, they're not engaging, right. us or engaging with people to make them feel better about what they're thinking.
0: The the challenge that I have sometimes though, in terms of talking about those conversations is, usually we're having those conversations as they are as they are in the process of taking away our rights. And when we start talking about compromise, compromise is never, okay, I'm going to give you something, you're going to give me something. It's not like saying, okay, well, uh, we'll give you concealed carry reciprocity and you give us universal background checks. That's not what happens. And, and, you know, there are a lot of people who say, well, they wouldn't even agree to that. But at at the very least, that is compromise. Usually it's, okay, we're going to take away your rights and now we're going to just negotiate how much we're going to take that's their level of negotiation when you start to say well but look no these are the reasons why and and most of their most of their resistance to our objections is based out of a lack of knowledge and understanding of firearms firearms technology and firearms policy and how the two intersect
1: mm-hmm. and
0: when you say that they get upset because they're like, well, no, I know what I'm talking about because no one wants to be told you don't know what you're talking about. And right. No matter how polite you say it, they don't. And I've, I've had instances where I've literally had to embarrass members in front of a committee demonstrating that they did not know what they were talking about. But it was, it, I, I had one case where I literally, I met with his chief of staff. I met with the guy who was carrying the legislation. I went through my entire presentation This is what I'm going to say in committee. I really don't want to embarrass you. You should pull your bill. And they said, no, we'll we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Went to the committee, completely embarrassed, completely embarrassed the guy's member. And it was so bad that even one of the, the, the Democratic chair of the committee was like, you know, I don't know what just happened, but I can't support this. I can't support this bill as it's written. And. Once again, but it goes back to the fact that you try to explain and you get nothing.
1: Yeah, I I don't because it it doesn't sound good to them. And You know what? Politicians, you know, I got I got a a thing for politicians, man. And they're always trying to they don't listen to their constituents anymore. They're really trying to tell their constituents what they should think, because I, I got to tell you. My politicians and a lot of my buddies, uh, local politicians, state level politicians, you know, they don't really ask questions anymore. You know, they'll sit down, they'll talk to like two people like, well, I I heard this story from, you know, Susan and Susan tells me this story. I don't want to hear that. um, No, don't do that. I need you to come out to a big town hall where everybody can be there. We can all talk. Now, they're so busy trying to tell the constituents how to feel because they want their personal feelings to be validated. And I'm, I'm tired of that. And they don't know it. I will respect you more if you if you spent, let's say, a calendar, a full calendar year talking to gun rights organizations, gun owners, trainers, um, you know, media, everybody. I will respect you a lot more As at the end of that year. You then came back and said, OK, now these are my concerns. OK, because now you got a little information to go off of. But they don't. And then uh, groups like the NAACP, to just go out and say, oh, no, guns are bad and we're going to take guns. And look, the guys that are supposed to be for your gun rights, they, they're not even saying the rights are for blacks. OK, so my argument still back to you will be all right, if that's how you feel. So what are we supposed to do? Just forfeit who we are?
0: Mm-hmm. Just well, give up, right? Just exactly. give, give
1: up. Because everybody else is going to keep their guns. They're going to keep fighting for the right to have their guns. Criminals aren't turning theirs in, so the the guy in the middle was just supposed to say, "Well, you know what? Us poor blacks, I guess. Uh, I guess this gun thing isn't really working out." Um, <laughs> back to the good old field, man. So, I mean, what do you expect us to do? <laughs> you know, like I, I, I'm not I'm not going for that that mentality, that philosophy. I believe, like gentlemen like you and I, and many other men and women around this country can sit have intelligent conversations can dialogue but after we get off of these uh, cameras and a- after you wrap up the show and i wrap up in my office and all those things guess what you still have to be a family you right. still have to be the man in your family you still have to go to the store you still have to take care of your home you still have a life that you have to live and it's okay for you to be able to protect that life that you are building and 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 and, and coddling to with the right to bear a firearm nothing is wrong with you or i going out saying, hey, I'm a good guy or I'm a good gal in whatever situation and I want to protect myself. And for somebody in an office in a brother suit to say, well, I don't think that that's reasonable, uh, so you shouldn't do it, no. And I don't respect them because they aren't having dialogue and conversations. And furthermore, to, to organizations like the NAACP, if you believe that organizations like the NRA aren't doing a good job, okay, don't you have a large platform with chapters all over this country? Why don't you start a branch of the NAACP that's all about firearms education?
0: Well, because they're 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 not interested in firearms education. They're oh, trying to embarrass the they're trying to embarrass the NRA because the NRA won't hasn't come out and said, "Well, look, they're targeting black people." I my my concern is 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 that there's there seems to be an issue with armed citizens, male or female, legally armed citizens having run-ins with law enforcement uh when i did uh, when i did a show uh, talking about this particular issue in, uh, in alabama i also noted three different incidents where the, in, the individual was white two of which were shot in their own homes exercising their constitutional right to keep and bear arms uh i i i happen to believe and once again i'm not trying to blame law enforcement or blame cops but i happen to believe that there's some sort of training that needs to take place with the, with the, the, the rank-and-file law enforcement officer on how to engage uh, citizen, armed citizens in a way that not just protects them, but also protects that armed citizen. You know,
1: it's, uh, you make a very good point there, a very good point. And I, do, I understand why people are concerned. I totally get it. But going to your, 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 your statement about law enforcement, if you go back to like old movies, 80s, you know, uh, you know, the, the Tango and Cash era, I get that was early 90s. It was a great movie, by the way. But if you go back to some of the, the old movies up until now, uh, and you even when cameras go inside police academies, things like that, you know, what's the word that they use to um, identify a threat? It's gun. You know, gun, yeah. gun. And I think that training has to evolve and really needs to evolve. Yeah. Because now you do have a large portion of the citizenry that is armed and they aren't bad. So, yes, do criminals have guns, knives, bricks, bags, gasoline, propane? Yeah, sure. Um, however, you also need to we need to start paying attention to the fact that your populace, the population that you now patrol, that you are protecting and serving are armed. So how do we start gearing our training and the patience of law enforcement around that now? It's a, it's, it's a, it's a thin line to walk, right? Cause you right, don't want to be right. too relaxed and get yourself hurt. So I get right. that as well. So it's, but it definitely needs to be addressed. We have to start addressing that. And I, I think a small step, I'm not saying it's the, it's the, the overall uh, solve all, but a small step would be, okay, you can't just yell gun and that'd be the bad thing anymore. You can't, mm-hmm. because in this situation, situation in Alabama, that's what the cops saw. You know, he shot the guy three times in the back cause he saw a gun in his hand. So y- you, you. We have to understand that as society changes, everything we do changes. So technology evolved. We had to get with that. You know, um, as the people are armed, we have to have our law enforcement more responsible to dealing with armed citizenry. So I I think that's a
0: that's a fine statement to make. And it's true. And it should should happen. Speak. Speaking of that now, you you're a firearms trainer. Yes, sir. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, do you do do you do any work with law enforcement?
1: I have done a couple of different events. Uh, I did a community engagement event. Uh, This was right after the Philando Castile shooting. Uh, We spent roughly uh, two hours at a a live seminar that I hosted with a local law enforcement agent in. And we talked about interacting with the police. And it just it was open to everybody. We happened to get 26 young young men between the ages of I want to say 15 and 22 to show up in their parents. Mm -hmm. Right. And we've done various things. I recently just had um, a, a talk with the St. Louis circuit attorney here, prosecuting attorney about getting more involved. I met with uh, a couple of uh, ranking officers including the chief of police in St. Louis City about getting them more involved. And after actually talking to me in person instead of believing, you know, what they hear online or whatever, they're all for it. And so I'm trying to get and I used to work for the city police department. I was in our uh, our prisoner processing division. So, I understand the job and I understand how how rough it is. But I'm like, look guys, if you if you're trying to fix this thing, we need to work together it can't be political lines it can't be this it can't be that we got to work together so i would say locally they are more open to working together and i'm proving i you know i had a wonderful conversation with the memphis um i was down there in tennessee doing aiming for the truth the memphis gang unit came we had a wonderful dialogue i just haven't put those videos out yet we had a wonderful dialogue and the more and more i travel and interact with law enforcement especially when they found out i used to be employed by one they relaxed a little bit and they are understanding okay okay so there is a medium ground. okay? So there is a way that we can we can get in and, and be more responsible and, and start connecting with people. So I'm starting to see it open up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like the floodgates to just open and fix everything at right. once, but I am starting to see it open up a little bit. Uh, and I try to explain to them that being a firearms instructor, we are trying to make sure that as we are putting people out there that are armed, they do also respect the job and the position that the police are in and right. be very courteous and cautious of that as well. So we're trying to get to that fine balance.
0: Exactly, exactly. So uh, before we go, do me a favor, tell uh, tell our audience a little bit about uh, No Other Choice Firearms Training, some of the stuff that you do, and how they can get in contact with you.
1: Okay. Uh, no Other Choice Firearms Training is kind of twofold. So obviously, you have our training division, and you can reach out to us for firearms training for everything from simple, hey, hot stove technique with your children, all the way up to vehicle tactics courses, whatever you would like to do, uh, besides jumping out of helicopters, we do it. Um, and I, I, I can't train you to go over to Benghazi, so please don't ask me. Uh, however, everything in between, we would love to assist you and love to help you. Uh, so, if you want to reach out for firearms training or bring it to your city, you are more than welcome to. And we can go over those details with you when you reach out. You can uh, go over to our website at nootherchoice.net. That's all spelled out, nootherchoice.net. You can also email us at training@nootherchoice, at or go on um, social media, Facebook and Instagram. It's all the same. NOC Firearms Training. And just let us know what you would like or sign up for a class. We would love to have you. The other side of what we do is a program called Aiming for the Truth. Aiming for the Truth is our community outreach program. And what that program does, it it focuses on the causes of violence. We're trying to kill violence at its roots, thus aiming for the truth. So we deal with things like mental illness. We deal with employment, employment skills, children's education, tutoring the kids, getting them outside of their normal environments, conflict and conflict resolution, how to identify that. Uh, helping fathers with the tools they need to be be able to run households and uh, get the kind of support that they need to be able to do those things. Uh, Everything we can do in between. So we focus on those factors in people's lives. And we have subject matter experts come in at these events to help people, live resources on site to help them to go out and build equity into their life. And we believe that once people have the equity, they are actually out building something. Then at that point in time, it's a lot easier to introduce the protection of that equity. That being the Second Amendment. Um, So that's what Aiming for the Truth is, and that's what we do. So if you want to get involved with that, you want to bring the event to your city, or you want to donate, we would love to have you. You can donate at GoFundMe.com forward slash Aiming for the Truth. You can also email us at Aiming for the Truth at gmail.com, or look us up on Instagram at Aiming for the Truth. So those are all the ways you can get in touch.
0: No shortage of ways to get involved. (laughs) You're a busy man, my friend. I appreciate you, and I appreciate all the work that you're doing.
1: No, man, I appreciate you as well out there fighting a good fight wearing all those hats.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A whole lot of hats. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Anyway, folks, uh, once again, Kevin Dixie, no other choice, firearms training. Kevin, thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right. All right, folks, well, that's going to be it for today's Coffee with Craig. We very much appreciate you guys tuning in. We appreciate you liking and sharing the program, telling your friends about the Firearms Policy Coalition. We are the home in the fight for civil rights. Got to use them or you're going to lose them. You guys take care.